Welcome to Facts Roundtable, a podcast dedicated to navigating life with food allergies across the lifespan. Presented in a welcoming format with interviews and open discussions, each episode will explore a specific topic, leaving you with the facts to know or use. Information presented via this podcast is educational and not intended to provide individual medical advice. Please consult with your personal board-certified allergist or healthcare providers for advice specific to your situation. Hi, everyone. I'm Caroline Moasasi, and I'm your host for the Facts Roundtable podcast. I'm a food allergy parent, advocate, and the founder of the Grateful Foodie blog. The holidays are almost here, and to get us ready is the celebrated food allergen-aware Chef Keith Norman, who is an executive chef at the South Point Hotel, Casino, and Spa, as well as a food allergy advocate, and he also serves on Facts Board of Directors and Facts Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Board. Welcome back to the show, Chef Keith. I'm always excited to see you, and I always know it is a good day when I'm talking to you. Yes, ma'am. Likewise. (laughs) Wonderful. Well, we're going to dive straight into holiday prep tips and some tricks that you hopefully have for us on how the Busy Food Allergy family can tackle the holidays. So before we get started, though, I was just wondering, can you share your culinary background and then how you became so near and dear to our food allergy hearts? Sure. Well, as with most of us, I grew up in my grandmother's kitchen, and that's where the passion and love came from. You know, I was always really just inspired when you have the tomatoes and cucumbers and all the other things come out of the garden. And he was just a master at cooking. And then I went off to the Marine Corps. I I did some cooking there, or most of my career in the Marine Corps was cooking. And then I I jumped into other fields just to do something different. Got out of the Marine Corps, came here to uh, Las Vegas, and Chef Warner at Valley's gave me my first start on, on the Las Vegas Strip just kind of moved up from there. So I actually grew out of an olive allergy, but in 2009, when I met the Gordon family, and I did a few um, allergen walks and just got an opportunity to meet great people like you and the Gordon family, Eleanor. And you guys have stories because you live allergens every day. I grew out of one. My daughter now has a allergen to avocado, but she got that later in life. So I, I didn't have to grow up like you, Caroline, and some of the other folks live in allergens every single day. But just meeting the allergen families that I have and befriending the allergen families that I have and adopting all the kids that I've met, they have a story. And I think it's part of my responsibility to make sure they stay safe, that I advocate for them and do whatever I can to keep them safe. And you're very famous and popular within our world. So we're happy to have you with us. Thank you so much. The holidays are going to look very different this year, but we know that whether you're prepping a feast for four or 12 people, the key to low stress is prep. What steps do you suggest to prep a meal from recipe planning, shopping, or ordering allergen-safe ingredients to the days before and the day of serving that special meal? Sure. We'll start now. You don't want to wait until the day of go shop. I would say start shopping now. If you are making allergen-friendly stuffing, that can be made ahead. You can make that ahead and freeze it. Your turkey, I would get that maybe a week and a half because most of the time it's going to be frozen. Put it in your refrigerator and allow it to thaw naturally in the refrigerator because food safety is important. I mean, I know we're we're cooking to stay allergen safe, but food safety is important too. And you don't want that turkey sitting out in the countertop. But I would say one or two days before any of your celery, onions, carrots, and things, whatever you 
typically would put in your stuffing. You can cut those a couple of days before. I love Ziploc bags, so I do a lot of Ziplocking. That's going to stay fresh for a couple of days. And then day of, I think it's just you assembling everything. But again, food safety in mind. That turkey is you're handling that turkey. Clorox is my best friend. Whenever I'm handling poultry in the kitchen, I always have my soapy water with Clorox added to wipe countertops down and surfaces down. So now can you talk a little bit more about the turkey and what are best practices? So from I go to the store, I buy my turkey, it's frozen. How do I thaw that turkey? And then even in my house, do I let it sit on the counter? How do I manage the counter and the sink? And kids are always in and out grabbing fruit and they got their water glasses around. So maybe you can talk a little bit about that. Yeah, no, definitely don't thaw on the countertop. And that's why I'm saying, I mean, depending on the size of turkey, if it's like a 20 pound or a big turkey, if you get it about five days before Thanksgiving in the refrigerator, and it's going to thaw. You want to thaw it under refrigeration. If you have to thaw it using water, of course, I mean, we live in a desert, so I hate it when we put food on sinks and turn the water on, but you can thaw it underwater. But once you open the bag and you have the turkey now, of course, the turkey's in the sink. Just please remember Clorox because you want to wash the sink, rinse the sink, and sanitize it with Clorox. But if you can avoid having that turkey sit out in the countertop, then we, we don't want to do that. We want to put it in the refrigerator, let it thaw naturally. Thank you very much for that tip. I always get nervous around raw poultry. You know, and also make sure you have a good thermometer because when you cook your turkey, they have the little plastic ones that sometimes they stick in there, but it's just in the breast. If your cavity is still a little bit frozen, it's still going to take time for that turkey to cook. So we're looking for 165 or better, and you want a thermometer that you can stick in multiple places on that turkey to make sure it's reached the proper temperature. Now, where would you suggest for people to look online to find food safety information? Well, if you just Google or go to the FDA website, your local health department, like here in Nevada, you can log on to southernnevadahealthdistrict.org, and there's always great information there. But you can Google how to cook a turkey or what's the proper temperature for a turkey, you know, that kind of thing. And the one thing that I never do starting off, I know a lot of people stuff their turkey. I always allow the turkey to cook for a good hour so that cavity heats up. Because a lot of times when you stuff it right away and you pack it really tight, the cavity, the roof of the cavity and the stuffing kind of insulates. So sometimes you may not get 165 or better when I do stuff my turkey. I wait about an hour after it's had time to eat up, and then I stuff it, but I stuff it very loose. Wow, Keith. I never knew that tip, so thank you so much for that. You're welcome. So now, Keith, do you have one special secret prep tip to share? I just think timing, just preparation and timing, you know, and, and if the more you can do ahead of time, the less stress you have the day of. So for me, when I'm doing a, say, Thanksgiving dinner, I've gotten everything chopped, ready to go a couple of days before. And then on the day, all I'm really doing is throwing things in pots and pans and mixing things around and, and into the oven. So I would say just just timing. Timing is probably the, the best tool. So can we talk now a little bit about freezing things? So if I was to make a cookie, how do I wrap it and freeze it? And then how far ahead do I do that? So you mean a cookie that you've already cooked? It's already done, ready to go? 
Yes, like a cookie or even a cupcake. I'm just trying to think like ahead of time, trying to bake something. So let's say baking a cookie and baking a cupcake ahead of time, not iced. Well, see, most of the time when you put things in the freezer, you're talking quality because over time you lose quality from either being freezer burned or anything like that. So I think one of the tricks, depending on what container you're using, Tupperware is really thick. So that's going to be a great insulator for soup sauces, pastries, and things that you want to freeze. I use the freezer bag. The Ziploc freezer bag is another good option. But if you're putting like cookies, I would wrap them in heavy-duty aluminum foil first and then in a Ziploc bag because now you've got a double barrier. If I was going to make cookies for my dessert, would I want to freeze them two weeks out, three weeks out, one week out, a few days out? With items that you put in the freezer, you're really talking quality. But if you properly wrap them, you could get a good month. Um, You know, I don't really keep things in my freezer more than 30 days, give or take what it is. But I think for a cookie or for pastries and things like that, a good month, a month and a half is, is fine. So if I made a pumpkin pie ahead of time, could I go ahead and freeze that too? Absolutely. Just keep in mind, it's how you wrap it. If it's like plastic wrap, then you're probably going to get freezer burn. So that crust is going to get really ugly and then you're going to take it out and not be happy. But yeah, it's all in the wrapping. And again, Ziploc bags, they have them in the one gallon, two gallon or the jumbos. The more layers, it's just like it's just like when it's cold, right? The more layers you put on, the warmer you are. No different putting something in the freezer. The more layers you have, the more protection you have. So one more question on freezing here. What about leftovers? Same concept, wrap them in aluminum foil and then put them in a Ziploc? You bet. And again, depending on this, Tupperware is my, is my friend. Of course, we cheat sometimes in different containers that come into the house like butter containers. So I use everything. So leftovers, just make sure in a container, airtight. And again, if you have leftover turkey and and stuffing, that's going to hold up well in the freezer. But yeah, just try to get as many layers as possible. You may use the turkey in in one or two weeks, so you're not going to get a lot of freezer burn or anything like that. But, But yeah, the more layers, the better. Thank you very much. So now, since we've been talking about turkeys, can you explain the difference between roasting and brining a turkey? Yeah. So when you talk about cooking methods, so roasting is basically you're using dry heat. So gas oven, electric oven. So the oils, the the juice, the sugars and things that are in the meat are coming out. And then you get that nice, nice browning. Typically, like with roasting, you're seasoning on the surface of whatever it is, whether it's steak, turkey, or whatever. So brining is, so when you think about marinades, just think about marinades, and that's really what it is. Your brining solution is something that's adding flavor to the turkey or whatever it is that's in the brine. You're normally going for a good hour or two and sometimes longer, and all you're really trying to do is impart flavor into the item that you're going to cook. So roasting is a method of cooking. Brining is just simply, if you think about marinades, that's what brining is. Brining is, is something that you're adding flavor to whatever it is that you, you have in that liquid. And then after you're done brining the turkey, you would then roast it. Yeah, you could. Yeah, absolutely. I love to give my turkey color first. So it's in the oven until I get a nice golden brown and then I cover it. So you go from dry heat to moist heat, right? So now you're kind of steaming. But I do that basically for temperature because you want to make sure your turkey thighs and all those cracks and crevices within the turkey 
reach a safe temperature. Never knew that. I always thought the aluminum foil was just to stop burning of the skin, but you're actually bringing up the whole temperature of the bird to the right level. Yes. Also think about temperature. I mean, in the old days, my grandmother had this big black roasting pan and once the turkey had color, she covered it. So, and I mainly do it now because when you and I were growing up, our food was a lot safer because I never had a thermometer growing up. But now I give it the good color and then I cover it to make sure it's reached the proper town. Thank you so much. Very helpful tips. So now let's say a family is vegan. Do you have any ideas for any tasty, fantastic, spectacular center stage entrees? Well, Caroline, here, when I get a guest with, with a vegan recommendation, I really always ask them, what do they cook for themselves? I don't eat vegan, but um, I tell you, a lot of our vegan customers that come in love cauliflower rice. A very easy thing to make for us. We always have vegetable stock available. And then, of course, we're throwing in other vegetables and things. So I would just say that's a great cauliflower rice. Now, if you have, you know, the old fashioned cheese grater at home, you can make your own cauliflower rice. But now it's in abundance in stores. A lot of times we'll saute it really good. Throw in your shallots, your onions, your garlic, a little olive oil. Give it some love, your salt, your pepper. Then a lot of times here we use Asian vegetables, bok choy and things like that. But again, I enjoy going to the table, asking the customer, how do you cook for yourself? When it comes to vegan or other dietary meals, um, I like to see what's in your wallet. I like that. It's very creative. So looking at Thanksgiving and then looking at Christmas or maybe even New Year's, what is your most perfect meal? Well, for both holidays, Christmas and Thanksgiving. So actually at home, I'll do my turkey the day before. There's a couple of families that I cook for. They'll always get joy there and and both are allergen families. So I have to do it with love, of course. And one is uh, multiple allergens plus gluten. I start a week ahead, keeping the turkey separate, putting everything together. But I think the joy for me is just the holidays themselves. The meal is great, but Thanksgiving is one of my favorite holidays because there's so many things that I'm thankful for. And Christmas just kind of adds icing to that cake. So now before we wind up today, is there anything else you would like to share with listeners? Well, you know, I wrote a book, Allergen Awareness of Chef's Perspective, and just got into my first college, Sullivan College. They're using the book in their library and in classrooms, and that'll be really neat. My old academic director is now the dean there, so he reached out to me. But holidays are coming up. I know there's been a lot of COVID stress and everybody's shut in and, and stuff like that, but I love we're able to do things. But I would just say just for the holidays, just breathe relax and Thanksgiving, one of my favorites. And even though we've all gone through stuff, I think Thanksgiving is still going to be a day full of Thanksgiving and things to be thankful for. And um, you have my contact info. I love the allergen community that I've met over the years and whatever I could do to be a part or advocate or help, just reach out and touch. Thank you, Keith. I am going to make sure listeners know how to get hold of you. But as always, thank you so much for your time. I know you're busy. Uh, our listeners can't see it because I can see you, Keith, and they can't. But, you know, Chef Keith is in a chef coat. And so he just basically stepped out of the kitchen to come and have a chat with us. So we really appreciate that. But I just love your energy and your compassion for the allergic community, especially since you don't have allergies, your children don't. And I just love and appreciate that. So I want to make sure you hear my thankfulness to you and from fact to you. So thank you again, Keith, and we'll be speaking soon. My absolute pleasure. Bye, Caroline. 
Before we wrap up today, I want to share something really special with you. The Fact Shines Bright with Teal Love Spotlight Contest. Let's usher in a better 2021 together by giving $20 in 2020 to help us reach our goal of $20,000. As a nonprofit, we felt the financial impact this year due to the COVID-19 pandemic. For every $20 donated, your name will be entered into our Teal Love Shines Bright Spotlight Contest. The grand prize winner will be featured on all of FACT's social media platforms. That's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest, as well as FACT's blog page, sharing their food allergy journey in our December 31st Teal Love Shines Bright Spotlight. But there's a bonus, too. The winner will also be a special guest right here on FACT's Roundtable podcast in January. The second prize winner will receive one free 2021 registration of their choice to attend Camp Tag Virtual Summer Program, which is valued at $230, or our teen retreat, which is valued at $255 and will take place in November of 2021. Donate through December 27th, and winners will be notified on December 28th. So please head on over to foodallergyawareness.org forward slash donate to join us in raising $20,000 in 2020. Thank you all for listening to Facts Roundtable podcast. Stay tuned for future episodes coming soon. Please subscribe, share and review our podcast and be sure to connect with us on social media. You can find us on Apple podcast, iTunes, Google podcast, iHeartRadio and Spotify. Have a great day and always be kind to one another.